Many of you know, if you don't, welcome to the club, but I, I was recently engaged, all right? This is my first time speaking since then, so I had to publicly say that. Um, but with engagement comes a lot of different things, a lot of things like adulting, a lot of adult things that you have to do. You know, like you're preparing to take two lives and make them one. Lots of work needs to happen. And so, um, you know, I, we redid our bathroom, or my bathroom, should I say? It's mine now, but in a while from now, it won't be. That's weird. So anyway, um, we redid that. You know, I have my studio in my room. So if picture to see this keyboard right here. So I had a big keyboard in my uh, room. I had like a, a computer and a computer desk and all this cool stuff and, and a little bed. And all that's gone now. Um, I had to move it out. So that was a lot of work to do. But recently, just this past week, I got a new bed. I'm excited about that. Frank is the most excited ever. He gasped. He gasped as if like it was like, oh, but here's the thing, I have a terrible, terrible mattress uh, that was a twin, that was my sister's old one, uh, because Sleepy's now mattress firm, uh, gave me a terrible new one that broke, so I ended up using an old one for five years. Okay, so I went from that to this queen size, like Tempur-Pedic, like you can hit buttons and it moves, it's yes! And the thing is, I bought the bed, that part of it, myself. And so there's a difference between having a bed and owning a bed. See, when I had a bed, okay, it was kind of like I would just wake up and throw the sheets everywhere. You know, you know how, like, sometimes the sheets get shoved in between the, the mattress and the wall? Like, it was like I would, like, the f- four times a year I would change my sheets. <laughs> just kidding. The two times a year... <laughs> I would be like, oh, there's this big sheet. It's stuck between the wall. So anyway, so we went from that to all of a sudden, I'm making my bed every day. Before I left today, I look, I go to shut the door of my room, and I'm like, that's right. <laughs> shut that, went to work. Because now that it's mine, and I own it, and I spend mad scratch on that, or mad cash, or dollar dollar bills on that bed, now that I own it, I take care of it better. Um. Another thing about talking about owning things, taking care of things, you ever have to take care of someone's dog? Like you, you, you ever, like someone else's dog, not your dog. See, I love my dog. I'd fight you to the death for my dog. When it comes to yours, don't get me wrong, I love it too if you ask me. But here's the problem. My neighbors don't ask me. We'd be driving down the road and here comes this little black dog. And you know how you could tell like there's some dogs, you're like, you're a survivor, you got this. But there's some other dogs, you're like, if I let you do what you're doing, Natural selection, a hawk, whatever, car, you're done, okay? A little hawk, and pff, that's done. See ya. So I pick up, you know, I'm running down the street, and this dog, it just is so dumb. I'm like, what are you doing, dog? And it looks at me, and it starts to run away. I'm like, no, come back. So I'm chasing this dog down the street. Finally, I get a hold of it. Mm, come here. It's, it's friendly. Don't worry. So I look at the tag, and it says, all right. So I call the number, and it's a couple houses down from me, and I bring it back. Roxy was her name. And the family's go, oh, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. I'm like, you got it. Repeat this 4,000 times. <laughs> Be driving down the road. I'm like, oh, open the door. Get in, Roxy. It's to the point where we were trick-or-treating with Katie once, and we went to their house, and the dog came and go, hey, Roxy. And the little girl goes, how do you know the name of a dog? And I go, I know all things, little girl. <laughs> I didn't really do that. That'd be creepy. I go, no, you guys, I didn't, I wanted so badly, like, you neglect your dog, and I save its life every day. But it's a burden, because it's not mine. Recently, I was driving, and I saw the dog going, and I'm like, I'm late. I can't even stop for this thing. Good luck. Because the dog's not mine. (laughs) 
But we're talking about my dog. I own, I guess I own my dog, you know? I'd stop the car, be like, everything needs to stop. Pep, what are you doing in the street? Like, you know, I'd, I'd make it, make ends meet. And see, here's the thing. When something's our own, we're going to be more likely to endure the burden of it. We're going to be more likely to take better care of it. You know, when, when, it's, when it's something that's kind of sprung on us or something that we're not, we don't really take into our lives, we're not going to really take it seriously. And tonight, what I want to talk about is the difference between knowing about faith or kind of having a little bit of faith, but actually owning our faith. The reason why is a few months ago, uh, I was chatting with uh, a good friend of mine who uh, grew up in the green room and graduated many years ago. And so I was chatting with him and like, he was just telling me, dude, I'm just really struggling, man. You know, I'm kind of, there's a lot of doubt. There's a lot of things I'm trying to figure out. I'm trying to, you know, understand like, you know, if God is real and I'm just really trying to work through these things. And it was kind of surprising because he was like that model kid, you know what I'm talking about? Like the model kid who he ran his Bible club, he was the president, like he would always be debating people, he always knew more than you. Like so it's kind of like hearing him say that, I was like, interesting. And he, and he said this to me, he said, man, because of like who I was and the fact that I was doing all these things, like I was just afraid to admit that I had doubts. And so, I mean, talking with him now, I mean, he's, he's, he's working on his faith, he's rebuilding it, but I just remember him saying something along the lines of, man, I wish I wasn't afraid, I wish I would have talked about that. And here's the thing, because when this is something he kind of mentioned, and I kind of want to touch upon, it says, he kind of thought like, well, if I doubt and I struggle, then I'm not a real Christian, is kind of what he believed. That, that the presence of doubt and be like waking up in the morning, be like, I don't know if God's real. And then he would feel like, oh, I'm not a Christian. And instead of dealing with that, he kind of would push it away. And I kind of want to push back on that statement or maybe that feeling. Maybe you feel that way tonight. Like, oh, man, if I, if I doubt God, maybe I'm not a Christian or, you know, maybe I should just keep it to the side. But here's the thing. If you don't learn how to doubt and work through it, then I doubt that you'll ever be a true Christian. You'll, you'll, because it's a part of the process, the way that we come to faith and we own our faith is by working through our doubts. And so the issue tonight is we need to talk about these things. We need to be a youth group that is able to say, hey, you know what? I'm struggling with this and I want to talk about that. Here's why. So this is a big deal. According to statistics, 70 to 75% of you, when you you graduate high school, will leave the church. Walk away. When you graduate, you graduate your faith. And see, our heart here, what we pray for you guys all the time, is that, hey, the green room is not going to experience that statistic. But I have to ask the question that those people who find themselves leaving after high school, did they actually ever own their faith? Because our faith can so often kind of be in a place, you know what I mean? Could be rooted in green, could be rooted in church. Maybe there's a church you attend on Sunday mornings and your faith could be rooted in that service and in what other people say and what other people believe. And here's the best part about this, is that we, you guys, I don't even know if you know, but this is the greatest youth group I've ever been to. Joey is killing it week after week. The guy's in his office slaving, trying to come up with the greatest messages for you guys. I have not seen a youth pastor love kids like he does. And so we're in this amazing, amazing atmosphere. 
This is why he always reminds us, hey, we need to read our Bibles. We need to believe it for ourselves. Because we know that we don't want your faith to be rooted in a place. We want it to be rooted in Christ. And that's why it's important we believe for ourselves. A few years ago, I was chatting with someone after service, and he wasn't really a Christian at all. I just kind of, you know, was talking with him, and he was a friend of a friend's. And I was like, hey, so, you know, what's, what do you think? And he's like, you know, I really like this place. You know, I think what you're doing is so positive. And he, like, said some really cool things. I'm like, that's cool. And I don't know how we got on the topic, but I said, well, what do you feel about all this? Like, what do you believe? Do you, do you not? And he kind of said something. Well, no, I just, you know, I think it's great what you guys are doing, but it's just not really for me. And I can respect that. Maybe he has his own reasons. And so I was like, hey, you know what? As a pastor, like, I just want to know what other people think. So why? You know, like, what, like what, what kind of causes you to feel like it's not for you? And he goes, oh, I don't know. It's just, just not for me. Okay. Uh, is it like science? Like, sometimes people believe that science kind of says, or like, proves that Christianity is real, even though I kind of believe that science is lately proving it better. Um, but that's just, you know, is it science? Is it, is it something happened? Is you don't agree with something? He's like, no, I just, I just feel like it's just not for me. And I remember just kind of like being so taken back that he didn't even know why he didn't believe. And see, the truth is, when it comes down to it, if we're honest, maybe tonight we don't really know completely what we believe. And hey, time out. That's okay. That's why you're here. Let's, let's, let's slowly learn. Let's slowly grow. Like there's no levels here, okay? We, we learn and we grow and that's awesome and that's a great thing. But many of us may not know and we kind of may have that attitude about it. Like, eh, I'm not going to look into it. And I think this is a big deal because it's not an intelligence thing. Come on, let's be honest. You guys are really smart. You guys are intelligent. You guys are, some of you guys make me laugh so hard. I have to keep it in sometimes because it's a little, little outside. It's like I can't really laugh at that, but that was hilarious. Um, but whether it's laziness or it's fear, we can't be passive. Because here's why life challenges us. Life comes, something happens, challenges everything that we've been told. And then we have a decision to make. Friends start to do stuff that is a little more risky, and we begin to think like, okay, well, well, they're doing it, and, and Andrew and Joey and the staff have, have preached that we shouldn't, but they seem fine. And since you're not really sure what you believe, you don't really have a firm ground that you stand on, you're able to be swayed, and you, you can be left and right, and that's just not a way to live. And see, maybe tonight you've experienced that. Maybe tonight Life has hit you, and the stuff that you believed is being challenged, and it's hard for you. And you're sitting here, and you're like, Andrew, I know exactly what you're talking about. Because I've been told this, but then this happened in my life, and I don't know what to do with it. And so tonight is crucial. It's crucial that we learn how to work through it and be honest together. If you're not a Christian, or you're new to faith, or... Maybe you're not sure if God's there. Like, we are excited you're here. And I hope that you would see that he, the green room, we don't, like, blindly just want to believe things. Like, oh, that sounds great to believe. Let's do it. You know, like, we are types of people that say, hey, we want to inspire genuine faith. So we want this place to be a place where you could feel safe to ask questions, to talk. And we're not here to judge. If anything, we're all in this together. And so tonight, it's going to be kind of a basic message. 
It's not gonna, we're not gonna go into scientific facts. We're not gonna try to tackle all these issues because all of your issues are different. And I don't think that would be fair. But what I want us to do is give us the basic tools to move from having faith to then owning our faith and owning what we believe. I wanna give us permission to just not have faith, but own it. And so we're gonna be in Acts chapter 17, and this is a cool story um, because it starts with this guy, Paul. Paul hated Christianity. So think of the, the person that is the biggest, uh, I, don't, I don't wanna say advocate because that's four, uh, the biggest person who hates Christianity in your life. Think of that. This guy was worse because he killed Christians. He was so zealous about ending Christianity that he would kill them, right? And so even when he was converted, he encountered Jesus, everything changed. People were still kind of afraid of him. People were like, ooh, I don't know if uh, he's serious. But as time went on, they went to go see that he was. And so if we're going to learn about owning faith, this guy was on the opposite end of the spectrum. And then out of nowhere, he gets so passionate about it. And so I believe that the, the things that he does really matters and really stuff that we can learn from these stories and from these historical accounts. And so we're going to go ahead and, and look at Acts 17, verse 1. Now, when they had traveled through Amphipolis and Apollonia, okay, we're good, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And according to Paul's custom, he went to them. And for three Sabbaths, reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and giving evidence that Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, and saying, this is Jesus, who I am proclaiming to you, is the Christ. All right, so, so Paul busts into a new town. He's there. He basically goes to the synagogue for three weeks in a row, and he walks in, and he starts reasoning with them. He starts saying, hey, you know, the Jews were waiting for a savior. And so he comes and he's like, no, this Jesus that, was in, that you heard about, he's the real deal. Starts going through the scriptures, showing them the evidences of that. And here's what we need to realize about that experience. That was really offensive. This is a, a, a Jewish synagogue and he's coming and saying, there's another God here. And so this is really offensive. So what we realize is that God's ways are offensive. That the gospel is offensive. Why? Because it challenges our ways. We all have ways, right? How we do things, how we deal with things, how we live, how we think, what we believe. We all have like certain beliefs. Maybe they differ from our friends, but like, no, that's my way. That's how I'll do it, you know? And so the Bible often reminds us that God's ways are different than ours. That his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, his His ways are higher than our ways is what scripture says and so we need to kind of stop when we're kind of trying to consider owning our own faith we need to realize this that my natural reaction is to be offended at god's ways that when when god's like hey this is what you should do there's that part of me that's like nah i want to do it my way i want to do it what's programmed inside of me and we push back and see, how we deal with that offense matters. Do we work through it or do we ignore it? And see, the way that you do shows where your faith is. Either it's in God's ways or it's in your own. And so Paul is just preaching his heart out, verse 4, and the result of that. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas. So Silas is his buddy that was hanging out with him. 
along with a large number of God-fearing Greeks and a number of the leading women. So some of these people, they looked at the facts. They said, okay, I hear what you're saying, and I'm persuaded. I'm in. But then we see what happens in verse 5. But the Jews, becoming jealous and taking along some wicked men from the marketplace, formed a mob and set the city in an uproar. And attacking the house of Jason, they were seeking to bring him, them out to the people. So this guy, Jason, ran the church out of his home. And so Paul and Silas, they stopped by, they go, what's up, Jay? And he's like, hey, you know, that's the spot where they stayed. And so they couldn't find, the Jewish people were angry at this message that was, that was professed. They were just angry. So they're looking for Paul. They're looking for Silas. They can't find him. They go to Jason's house. They drag Jason out. So this, this is getting a little intense. And here we see kind of two responses. Number one is either that we can accept God's ways. And this is a process. But as we look to accept his ways, it means maybe we take time to understand, to listen, to internalize it, and eventually live it. And so we see some people doing that. They're saying, you know what, this this seems right. I want to follow that. I'm going to identify with that. But then we see this other group. And the other response is that they, they shut it out. They ignored it. They did everything they could to push back, maybe live oppositely. And then this group got violent. They got angry. Why? Because they were trying to protect their ways. Let me just hit pause for a moment. When we hear a message, we hear something we're not really sure about. Maybe when we push, push back against it, is that us trying to defend our own ways? Because we got to realize and we have to remember that God's ways are offensive. Here's why. Because if I accept them into my life, then that means something needs to change. That means my ways need to change. The way that I thought this was okay to do or that was okay to do or the way I deal with that or this has to change. And my ways have to, in a sense, die. It's not natural for us to want change. If I were to come over to your house after service, like, yo, what's up, everyone? Hey, I like your room where it is, but we're going to move it. You know, we start taking all your stuff and just throwing it around, and, and like, we're gonna, you're going to go in the basement. Like, how many of you would like that? Maybe some of you would be like, yeah, I like the basement. But most of you would be like, oh, my gosh, I don't like this change. See, it's natural for us to not like any form of change, but we need to realize that when that comes, when God's ways are ejected, and when we're speaking and you hear something, you're like, man, I don't know about that. We have an awesome opportunity to consider them and accept them. But I think that the problem that we kind of face here tonight is maybe you're like, yeah, Andrew, I know. I hear about God's ways. I hear about how I'm supposed to live. And if I'm honest, I feel like I'm failing. Man, I just feel like I'm falling short. I feel like I, I, I just keep screwing up. And, and, it's, and first off, time out. There's, there's grace, guys, for you. Jesus loves you. He didn't die so you have to be perfect. He was perfect so that his righteousness can, can become your own. And so tonight, I don't want guilt to attack you tonight. I want you to know that, that God loves you, that you're his, his son or his daughter tonight. And there's nothing that you could do to take his love away from you. There's nothing. So let's just remember that. But I think a lot of times we can get so caught up on our performance, like, oh, man, I, I just got to be more obedient. I just got to do better. I got to obey better. And this is what I want us to, to realize why I'm talking about what I'm talking about tonight. Because this is important. That many of us, we think we have an obedience problem when really we have a belief problem. Let me just 
kind of read that again. Many of us think that we have an obedience problem when we really have a belief problem. See, the problem is we don't really kind of know what we believe sometimes, and that's why maybe we struggle. I'll give an example to try to make this statement make a little bit more sense. When I was younger, my mom was like, Andrew, don't touch the stove. See, I'll only touch the stove if I believed that it wasn't hot. And so if I touched it and burned myself, then because of my belief problem, it made it easier for me not to obey. Because I was like, nah, it's okay. It's probably fine. But if I believed correctly, then maybe I would have obeyed easier. And so that's why it's important we know why and what we believe. And so here's another statement for us. It's a lot easier to be obedient when you believe the reason why you should be obedient. Knowing why sometimes is half the battle. A lot of times we'll be like, well, uh, you know, God says not to do that, so I'm not going to do it. And people are just like, yeah, but why? And you're like, oh, I don't, I don't know. It's just the Bible says to not, so I'm not. But when we know why, and when that belief is internalized, when we own that, and we can see how God is protecting us in a certain situation or how he's calling us to love in another, man, we can be so much freer. Okay, so Paul coming out there, people are starting to get angry. The crowd continues to get violent. They can't find Paul and Silas. Um, they grab Jason. They drag him, which I, sounds like pretty violent to me. Um, they bring him to a court, and they make this guy pay a fine. And basically, if anything happens, this, Jason's getting in trouble for it. And it's just funny because these people chose to follow Jesus, right? Just some, I can imagine some of these people that were persecuted were just like recently like, huh, I think I want to believe. But see, what would cause them, we'll just ask this question, to want to be persecuted, to see their city in an uproar and blame them, and for them to be like, to not walk away, to not renounce their faith, but to stick with it. What would cause them to do that? And the question is that they held on to truth, but not Paul's truth, not their friend's truth, not their heritage's truth, but their truth, what they believed on their own. And so when life happened, when tough circumstances happened for these people, man, life challenged them. But they were firm in what they knew to be true, and so they were able to stand up. Guys, tonight, that's why it's important we know what we believe. That's why it's important we fight through this and we try to just figure out the nuances of maybe some of our struggles. Because when life happens, we can hold firm to something that is our own. Maybe that's why we struggle so much. Maybe that's why we're so obsessed with our performance. But if it came back to believing correctly or refining our beliefs or working through our beliefs, man, maybe we realize, wow, I want to obey God because I just feel better when I do. And I believe that. Tonight, don't just take our word for it. And so Paul continues to a new town. And we see what happens in, in verse 10. So the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. So just picture this, this whole city is 
a mess. People are, you know, getting violent. They're looking to kill these guys. And so the, the church leaders were like, yo, Paul, Silas, just, just go ahead and go. And what they do is sick. It's awesome. They're like, like a boss. This is what happens in verse 11. No, no, I'm sorry. Same verse. Um, they went by night to Berea, and when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. They just go to a new city, like, yeah, that city's freaking out, but boom, we're going to do this again. They just walk into another synagogue to preach when it went bad. I don't know about you, but I would need a little vacation after a whole city was angry at me. I, I get mad when, like, not mad, I got upset when four of you guys got upset with me, let alone a whole city. But they go right into the synagogue. Verse 11, now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. And so they didn't just, now these people were different. They go, Paul preaches. They're like, okay, yeah. Now these were the Berean people, and they examined the scriptures daily to see whether they were true. Meaning that some of them were not necessarily believers yet. And so they weren't sure, but they were checking to see, examining, searching, doing some legwork. They heard God's ways. They're like, okay, that sounds a little weird, but we're going to look into it. They had the question. See, here's the difference between them and the other group is that they were like, huh, is this true? Let me try to prove it true. Now, opposed to our world that is just like, hey, that's wrong, man. That's a fairy tale. And they dismiss it. You and I, it's funny, if you go to public school, maybe Christian school, not so much, but you are programmed to think, oh, if you're a Christian, you're dumb. You're uneducated. Science isn't on your side. Don't even look into it. But these people, they had a different approach. When they heard something that wasn't necessarily something they agreed with or understood, they tried to prove it to be true. Lee Strobel was an atheist um, who decided to prove Christianity wrong. He's like, I'm done. These people are whack. I'm going to prove that this isn't true. And in doing that, he ended up becoming a Christian and writing the book, The Case for Christ. A book talking about why the evidence was so there. And so tonight, what if you and I had a heart to say, you know what, I don't know if I agree with that, but I'm going to try to prove it correctly. Look what happens. The Bereans, they challenged. They sought to prove. And then verse 12 says this. Therefore, many of them believed, along with a number of prominent Greek women and men. And so what's the difference between this group? One group gets extremely violent. We don't want this. We don't get it. We're done. But these people, they they took their time. They searched. They looked at it for themselves. And eventually the result was what? Therefore, many of them believed. See, we could preach until we're blue in our faces. But if you don't take these truths and and try to make them your own, it's not going to mean anything. And see, guys, I want nothing more than you guys to own your own faith because in that, we're seeing genuine faith. And these people, they had a different attitude. They listened. They took what was said. They took it for themselves. Guys, tonight, 
It's not a crazy message here tonight. It's not anything wild that maybe we haven't heard. But I just want us to walk out of here with this, this truth is this, that our faith comes alive when we own it. That our faith comes alive when we own it. We internalize it when it's ours. It's not Joey's. It's not Andrew's. It's not Doug's. It's, it's mine. And so tonight, maybe your struggle isn't an obedience problem. Maybe it's a belief problem. And you know what's awesome is that we serve a God that's not intimidated by our doubts and our fears. He welcomes them. He says, yeah, you doubt, you fear. Come to me, doubters. I could t- he could take it. You're not less of a Christian if you struggle, no. If anything, you're looking for genuine faith, and that's going to get you there. So it's important that we're not passive here tonight. So I just want to leave us with just three steps that we can do. Maybe you're like, all right, Andrew, great message, but what do I do? First is this. I want you to challenge. I want you to challenge. Is there something that you're struggling believing? Maybe there's like, oh, that portion of the Bible I'm not sure about. Maybe you're like, I don't, I don't know if God's really there. You know, it could be whatever. I would challenge you to challenge it, look into it. Don't just bl- blindly cast it aside. Sometimes if something's uncomfortable, we're kind of like, I don't know what to do with that. And we shove it off to the side and we never deal with it. And then we never own our own faith. And then when trials come, we don't know what to do. So guys, it's important. We challenge. Number two, Study. And that sounds a lot like, oh, man, this is Friday, Andrew. I just got off of school. I don't want to study. (laughs) But read scripture. Know what it says. Doug did a message this past weekend, and he was talking about that there's contradictions in the Bible. It looks like there's contradictions at least. And that when we study them, when we go in depth in them, we realize, oh, they're not really contradictions at all. And so what if we knew our Bibles? We would be able to say, no, wait, I know what this is saying. So study. And this one is really, really important. Because 50 years ago, when, when someone was like, oh, well, God says to do this, people would be like, yeah, okay. That's, that's biblical scripture. We got to do it. But we live in a world today that challenges everything that God says these days. Like, oh, whatever. It's, that's Christianity. That's old stuff. We, we do what we want now. And so that, this is why this, this third one is extremely important. And it's number three. It's know your reason why. Know your reason why. When God says to do or not do something, do you know why? Not, 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 do you know Andrew's reason why? Not Joey's reason or, or Doug's or, or what the Christian author said on the podcast or on, on the, in the book. Do you know your, your reason why? Can you see why you shouldn't do it? Because we've talked about sex, we've talked about drugs from this stage, talked about lying and, and, and all these different things. And I could sit here and tell you why I'm waiting till marriage, or why I'm not going to mess with drugs, or why every time I lied, it destroyed my life. And every time I was selfish and did what I wanted to do, I suffered for it. I could sit here and tell you I'm blue in the face, and you can say that sounds good. But when you're standing in a situation where your friends are looking back at you, where that significant other is saying, you know, Let's do this. It's important you know the reason why. Because all our lives lately, we've been programmed to be like, well, who cares what God said? Go ahead and do it. If you think about it, that's what happened with Adam and Eve in the garden, right? 
The devil's just said, oh, are you sure that's what God said? I think he's trying to withhold from you. And see, that's why it's so important that we own our faith tonight. Because our faith comes alive when we own it. If you're a skeptic here tonight, maybe you're just like, hey, Andrew, you know, you're talking a lot about hearing God's ways, maybe either accepting it or denying it. And I'm not really there yet. I don't, I don't know if he's there. And hey, that's awesome. You're so welcome here. But what I want to encourage you with is maybe that you would just consider his ways here tonight. Because I know sometimes it's a big jump. There's a lot of different things we got to look into. And, and there's a lot of things our culture automatically kind of teaches us. And maybe to believe in God is, is a kind of a scary and hard thing. And that's, I get that. I totally get that. But tonight, I just want to encourage you to consider his ways. Do what the Bereans did. Seek to prove it. And maybe, just maybe, you'll find some truth in it. Before I gave us some stats about uh, statistics of 70 to 75% of us, when we graduate high school, we'll, go, we'll leave the church. But what they've actually been finding is that out of those people, a percentage of them are coming back in their 30s and 40s. And hear me right now. They come back not without consequence. They come back broken, full of baggage, full of hurt. And if I could just say one thing to you guys, so that you would not go down that road. You would not go to a place where you regret and you spend years of your life paying for it just to come back years and years later. And, and the and you are, are an amazing point of history right now because you're young. You have an opportunity to not make those mistakes. And that's why it's so crucial tonight that we own our faith. That you own your faith. You ask the tough questions. Us leaders can handle it. We don't have all the answers. We'll look for them for you. We'll point you in the right direction. Hey, we're all learning together. But don't waste years of your life because you're lazy or afraid. But as we tackle these head on, man, we would be so blessed to know what we believe. And so strong when, when trials of life come up, like, hey, I know there's a God and I believe in him. Nothing can take me down. Because our faith comes alive when we own it. Let me pray for you guys. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that our doubts and our struggles and our sins and when we fall short, it's not too much for you. The Bible says that you died for us while we were still sinners. You don't require us to be perfect. You just require us to accept your gift and draw in to all that you are. And God, I just pray that the doubts, the struggles, even just the ability to kind of not maybe look into your word. All these things, God, I pray that you could help us overcome them. I pray, God, that as we are honest, as we bring things into the light, God, that you are faithful to grow our faith. You are faithful, God, to change our lives. And tonight, I just pray that we would be a youth group of people when challenged, 
God, we know why we believe what we believe. We know why for ourselves that our answer would be our answer. We thank you, God, that we don't walk through this alone, that it's not all up to us, God, that as we seek you, the Bible says, God, you come near to us. You'll carry us through. And I pray for every person in this room, God, that they would feel your love right now. Pray they would know that they're so loved by you. And you desire nothing but fullness of life for them. And God, our ways are our ways. And I pray, God, that we would forsake our ways tonight and take up yours. Yeah, it feels like things may be dying. But more things come to life, God, when we give our lives to you. I pray that we would see that. You're not out to kill our fun or to squash our hearts. But you're here to preserve life and life abundantly in your name. So God, I just pray protection over all these kids, over all these leaders. Your spirit, God, would work powerfully. We just thank you tonight that you love us. And that as we own our faith, God, it's going to come more and more alive. So help us to take what we've heard tonight to run with it. Give us the courage to face our fears, our worries, to know, God, that we're not alone in that. You're with us. We thank you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.